This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about cooking sounds. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, where did this come from? It was suggested by listener Clara, who was also responsible for last week's <laughs> spilled mail. Unless there are two listener Claras, which is possible. Well, it is possible, but but the spelling is unique. And so yeah. I'm going to say, listener Clara, congratulations <laughs> for being such a, a, an integral part of our show this week and last. Yeah. If you end up on the show next week, we call that a turkey. <laughs> I think that's when you hit three strikes in a row in bowling. <laughs> Oh, I was thinking of a hat trick. Oh, we call that a hat trick. Yeah, there we go. I mean, unless you consider being on the show like a bad thing, in which case we call it a turkey. No, no, a strike is good in bowling. It's bad in baseball. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. God, I'm sorry. We should just start over. (laughs) No, it's true. If you you have three strikes in a row in baseball, that's probably bad. Yeah, you're out. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. So anyway, today we are talking about cooking sounds. And I want to say that when I was brainstorming what I wanted to talk about today, I realized that some of what I think of as cooking sounds are actually like food sounds. So yeah, I'd, like that's to, fine. I'd like to ask that we be a little lenient with the idea of cooking here. Yeah. So let's let's go down memory lane. And then I think I think really most of the episode is going to be memory lane. But I did prepare like like a one to two hour presentation on the history of cooking sounds. Oh, great. OK, uh-huh. perfect. Perfect. Matthew, do you want to start? I will start. OK, so I could not think of any like like childhood memory lane cooking sound memories. I can think of a lot of cooking smell memories. I think for the first time, I really understand what people mean when they say that smell is the most nostalgic sense or whatever they say. Yeah, yeah, because it is harder to tap into... Well, I could go into the science of this, but I think I did on a on a previous okay, episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like I... Yeah, you know, you know the movie A Quiet Place? 
that's me with, <laughs> that's with childhood <laughs> cooking sounds. Okay. Matthew, wait, I thought you just said a minute ago that the majority of this episode was going to be memory lane. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, in the sense that like, so I, I don't know, like for memory lane, I wanted like, you know, something like you're, you're about to have of like, you know, the, the, uh, the sound of like my mom making her signature popcorn <laughs> or whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, okay. The wait, sound, what? the sound of the air popper. There we go. That's a childhood cooking sound that I remember. Like the, the, the like grinding, the like uh, grinding. Grind. <laughs> oh, wait, I just realized that wasn't an air popper. I was putting popcorn in the coffee grinder. <laughs> no, the like the slow, the slow rotating and like the the like gravelly uh, like kernels graveling around in there, and then and then the popping. There. Hold on, a second ago you mentioned you you mentioned something. I feel as, like I'm being interrogated. <laughs> well, a second ago you mentioned something about like your mom's signature such. <laughs> Did your mom have signature things? I know that she had like um, tasty cheese or whatever the grilled cheese. The fuck was are called. you talking? About? Oh, oh, uh, surprise cheese sandwiches! Surprise cheese sandwiches! <laughs> what else were Judy Amster's signature dishes of your childhood? The way you started asking that question, it was ex- sounded exactly like a cross examination. Like, let's go back a minute. You said, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, Judy Amster's signature dishes. Like, I mean, she had like like her cheese. Cheesecake, like was was uh, you know she built a whole catering business like mostly before I was born on on her cheesecake, you know other other than that like uh, you know she she did a roast chicken that uh, I remember the smell of very well like I don't know if there was anything unique about it but it was like a well roasted chicken that is like quite a thing to to do well I have yeah. to say okay well I think I've got a little bit more of a cooking sounds memory lane thank God please so. The first thing that came to mind for me was the sound of my mother making fried eggs and the way that she makes fried eggs. I don't know what if there's a a name for this technique, but basically when the egg is set on the bottom and she wants to start getting the top to cook, she adds like a spoonful of water and quickly puts the lid on. Oh, sure. So that the top steams. What I remember really clearly is the sound of that. Like when she adds the spoonful of water and then clamps the lid on, that is the sound that I'm thinking of when I think of my mom's fried eggs. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. And the, the next sound that came to me is, uh, okay, so I know that ages ago when we ate a bunch of different cereals on the show, like, I mean, probably 10 years ago, like cold cereal, we ate Cracklin' Oat Bran, which mm-hmm. did not taste the same to me as it did when I was a kid. Yeah. But I distinctly remember the sound that Cracklin' Oat Bran made inside the box when you shook it. So yeah. Cracklin' Oat Bran being those like O-shaped, like large O, like capital O. Yeah. And as far as cereals go, they're really hard. They're really hard and they're quite heavy. Like they're very dense. And so when you would shake them in the box, like they made a particular sound that was not, for instance, the sound of cornflakes, right? No. And this... This makes me feel like we should do an episode where, where we we're blind, blindfolded and, and like someone shakes a box of cereal and we have to guess what cereal it is. Because like I, the sound of like the cornflakes, like pouring cornflakes and then them settling back into the box. There's there's like 
like a high pitched kind of clacking sound that they make that I find very satisfying. I feel like we should bookmark this for a future live show. Um, yes. And I would like to find some sort of like a sound stage that we could do this on that has the possibility <laughs> for all the viewers to to also enter in what cereal they think it is. So would we go around blindfolding the audience? Well, no. Um, producer Abby would be up on stage with us, but behind like a, you know. Oh, okay. Um, like a partition? A, a, a partition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everybody, including you and me, would have to enter, you know, on this little little device what we think it is. Um, and like after after that segment, would we remove the partition or would, would we just like stay hidden? <laughs> <laughs> it's only producer Abby whose hands are hidden. Like, and that way nobody knows if we're naked. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. But anyway, another thing, and the third thing that I thought of for my childhood cooking sounds were, so as I think I've described before, my dad had this special pancake pan and it was almost like an Abel Skiver pan. Oh. But the wells were not oh, concave, yeah. right? Mean. They were just- I mean, they must it, have been a little concave. Well, they were, but they were flat on yeah. the bottom. There there's must be a like a geometric term for I'm this. I'm sure the last time you said this, uh, uh, I said the thing I'm about to say, which is that it sounds like an individual size Okonomiyaki pan that you would see at a street festival in Japan. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, it was maybe like a 10-inch skillet that had these little impressions in it for maybe like nine smaller pancakes. So you could have perfectly round pancakes. Mm -hmm. My dad would use a butter spreader, you know, one of those kind of like slightly wider, yep. uh, like oval shaped blades. He would use a butter spreader to flip the pancakes because you couldn't really fit a spatula in there under the sure. whole pancake, right? And so I remember the sound, this, this pan was cast iron and it was really well seasoned. And I remember the sound, uh, this like high-pitched metal sound, but not a bad one, of him sliding the butter spreader underneath the pancake to flip the pancake in this pan. You know what I'm imagining now? You know, if there were ever like, God forbid, like an intruder in my home and I like went to grab a weapon to use, like, you know, my, I would grab the butter spreader and I would be like standing there like an idiot holding this <laughs> butter spreader. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you'd grab a cast iron pan. And I was like, that's a great idea if it's not no, one that of those things. No, that would make sense. <laughs> but but like, you know, in, in a moment of panic, I'm not going to do the right thing. No, no. There's no okay. chance. All right. So, Matthew, hold on. Just really quick. Has my mention of childhood cooking sounds jogged your brain, jogged your memory um, at all? I mean, it, it jogged. Do you have any more it, to add? Yeah, it jogged my brain. No, like just <laughs> I, the, I was just proud of myself for coming up with the, with the uh, air popper. Okay, fine. Well, let's talk about cooking sounds now. We had we had like a really old ass microwave that uh, I know we've talked about before that uh, we got for $20 at a yard sale. And then uh, our family's handy friend, Mark, came over and installed it over the stove. I have a feeling if I heard the sound of that microwave again, I'd be like, oh, hey, that's my microwave from when I was a kid. Like, I don't remember how it dinged or what kind of microwaving sound it made, but I bet I would recognize it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Should we just uh, like go back and forth? Wait, I have one more memory. Oh, okay. My dad at some point when I was, I don't know, maybe like in grade school at, at one of his garage sales that he would hit every weekend, sure. he found a milkshake blender, like a, like a stick oh, blender, you know, like- we talked about this. We talked right? about this on like episode 12. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, so, you know, it, it, I loved chocolate malted milkshakes and so did my dad and I still do. And I think my dad probably bought this for that reason. Like he thought it would be really fun for us to make milkshakes at home. However, oh my God, if you are not used to using those kinds of professional milkshake blenders, you are for sure going to hit that little whirring blade against mm-hmm. the side of the metal milkshake cup at least once per milkshake. And it is a horrible sound. Yeah. Horrible, horrible sound. And I remember it killed all joy for me about this milkshake blender oh. and, and it didn't last for very long. I have to imagine that was probably one of my dad's purchases where my mom was like, what the fuck? Get this thing out of the kitchen. <laughs> what episode number do you think milkshakes was? Take a guess without looking it up. Six. Three. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god. Wow. So yes. So so we have mentioned your your fear of uh of the milkshake blender stick hitting the side of the metal of the metal like cup before. 550 episodes ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. 585 I, episodes ago. Oh god. Yeah. I don't I don't like that sound either, but like I'm not going to give up milkshakes because of it. Also, I don't have that kind of milkshake blender. Yeah, I don't either. Okay, let's let's kind of go back and forth on talking about cooking sounds now. Yes. The, the cooking sounds of today, like That's very right. modern changed cooking so sounds. Much. Yeah. yeah. We don't cook over fire anymore. No, now we cook with an air fryer for all meals. Uh, have you ever used an air fryer? No, I haven't. I'd I like haven't to. either. I don't understand why, what they, what do they <laughs> I, do? I, I don't know. I think it's like a small convection oven, I think. Why are they called air fryers? Because it sounds good. Wow. Okay. No, I'm curious about it. I wonder if, um, do you remember when we put a call out on the show for somebody to send me a new dishwasher and nobody did? But then somebody did send you a, uh, con- con- not convection, somebody, conduction. Somebody sent me an induction Induction. Burner, which I have to say, oh my gosh, I've forgotten her name. I wrote her a thank you note. But anyway, I have used that induction burner multiple times. Good. Yeah. You've become a real inductress. I put it outside and use it to, <laughs> to cook smelly things that is, I, that I is such it, a good idea i mean i keep it inside like but what? then i can i can take it outside so um oh god matthew i may have told you but um last november i co-chaired the pancake breakfast at my kid's school you made those smell smelly pancakes <laughs> part part one of one of the tasks that nobody volunteered to do out of a whole like sea of parents. Nobody volunteered to par cook these chicken breakfast sausages that Mm. needed to be like parboiled so that we could then like brown them off the next morning. Okay. Yeah. I had 50 pounds of chicken sausage. I've never had 50 pounds of anything. Oh yeah. Wow. I had 50 pounds of these that I had to parboil. No, I don't think we've talked about this. I would remember this. This sounds harrowing. It was a Friday night in November. Mm -hmm. And so I had the induction burner from one of our listeners and I had an induction burner that I borrowed from Delancey and like two giant pots. And I basically set up a little, uh, like a little workstation in my garage using some sawhorses and an old door (laughs) and boiled these freaking 50 pounds of sausages and basically fulfilled all my volunteer hours for the entire school year. Mm -hmm. This, I mean, this sounds like something that would happen like on the prairie or something, except for the induction burner part. Like this, this sounds like a real olden days sort of task. I've now I've now recovered enough from the experience of co-chairing this event that I, I can look back on it and and be glad that I did it. But at the time I was like, 
kill me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I n- never again. But anyway, that's an example of what I used the induction burner for. Great. Yeah. All right. So uh, you you had a, a lengthy memory lane. So I'm going to go first on cooking okay. sounds of today. I think the last time I experienced this cooking sound was with you when we went camping, probably, because mm-hmm. it's the sound of a crackling campfire that invites marshmallows. Mm-hmm. It brings all the marshmallows to the campsite. <laughs> right. They they uh, they come out of the forest <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and say, roast me. Matthew, why don't you do another one? Okay. The sound of the electric kettle just as it's reaching a boil, or in my case, my set temperature of 184 degrees Fahrenheit, which is what I like for my green tea. So because it's not like that is like well below boiling temperature, like my my kettle does not make any beeps or anything. So you just hear it like, you know, like the hissing of the kettle as it warms up. And then it just kind of like sighs and like subsides. And then I know it's time for tea. So satisfying. You know, your mention of the electric kettle makes me think of my electric kettle and the sound of it that I, uh, so I also have one where you can set the max temperature, which I keep at 205, Mm -hmm. which I like for coffee. Sure. The sound of it that I think of most often is the sound that it makes when the water is right around like 80 degrees or so when it's Mm. like first starting to heat the water. Yep. Like, you know that it's working. Yep. Um, And I find that to be a really reassuring sound. Absolutely. Even more so than the water coming to a boil. It's like a thrill to know that there is truly coffee on the horizon. Yeah, that's coming out of the forest. That's right, <laughs> with the marshmallows. <laughs> what else have you got, Matthew? Wait a minute. What Would it be good if you just put a couple of marshmallows in some black coffee? Or, or like coffee with milk? Seems like it might. I feel like if you did it with coffee with milk and sugar, cream and yeah. sugar, coffee that you've made tastes like melted coffee ice cream, maybe. Mm, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. I don't okay. know. I don't really want to try it, though. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. My next one is uh, the spatula hitting the wok during vigorous stir frying. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like what I really have in mind is like a professional doing this, like at, oh, uh, yeah. you know, like restaurant speeds, you know, with like lots of like vigorous, like tossing and clanking and shaking. But it sounds pretty good when I do it at home, too. So I don't have a proper wok spatula. Mm-hmm. But what I think of, I have a cooking sound that also happens in a wok. And what okay. I'm thinking of is, so when I make fried rice, most of the time I use bacon in mm-hmm. my fried rice. And so my fried rice method starts with cooking diced bacon in an empty wok. And then I take the bacon out when it's crispy and I pour off most of the fat mm-hmm. and cook in like the remaining tablespoon yeah. or so. And the sound of the bacon cooking in its own fat in a wok in particular, because of the bowl shape of it so that the fat really collects... The sound of bacon cooking in its own fat in a wok is particularly gratifying to me. I'm going to I'm going to like take that bacon sound and run with it cuz like the bacon sound that I like is when uh, when I'm cooking bacon like in a skillet and you know when it's almost ready and there are like pockets that like you know kind of pop uh, yes. cuz there's like there was like water that that got that was trapped in like a bubble. <laughs> And like it like pops and turns white all at once and like makes a very satisfying like your bacon is almost ready kind of sound. You know, that reminds me of another sound that I had thought of, which is if I have taken like, let's say I've taken little Yukon gold potatoes and I've like halved them or quartered them Mm -hmm. and tossed them with olive oil and I'm roasting them on a sheet pan. 
at a certain point, maybe like 15 minutes in, I'm going to kind of reach in with the spatula, toss them around to try to get some color on more than one side. And if there's a little bit of water that is trapped or a little bit of potato juice or whatever, they're going to make like a nice hissing sound when I flip some of them over. Yes. Do you know what I oh, mean? Oh, yes, and I guess, absolutely. I think this is probably true of some other foods when they're roasting as well, but potatoes, because they get such a nice like golden skin Mm -hmm. on the part that's in contact with the pan. There's just something about that hiss of water releasing or steam evaporating when you toss it. It's so nice. Yeah. You know what I love is a a mug of hot potato juice with a couple of marshmallows in it. I'm going to skip my next one because it's too similar to one of yours and uh, go, this one is so obvious, but I got to say it, fajitas sizzling on a platter. We recently uh, were visiting, uh, a couple months ago, visiting Teenager of the Show December at college in Bellingham, Washington, and we went to like a Mexican-American restaurant. And if you imagine like a classic Mexican-American restaurant menu, that was this place. It's called Jalapenos. And uh, December ordered the steak fajitas and was very, very happy with what they got, which uh, of course, it came on a sizzling platter and, uh, you know, it sounded great and smelled great and tasted great. Like, you know, we did a fajitas episode, like, and it's kind of like a dish that, that has like a real like 90, like, you know, got left behind in the 90s, but still so good. <laughs> Oh, so what is the deal with the, uh, I don't remember doing a fajitas episode. What is the deal with the sizzling platter? Like, can it not be fajitas if you don't have a sizzling skillet or sizzling platter? No, it it can be, but like, why? When you could have a sizzling platter. Yeah, uh, fajitas okay. was, uh, was episode 511. Oh God, that wasn't that long ago. I know, it was, uh, it was October oh. 2021. Oh no. Okay, Matthew, I have uh, another one, yeah. which is, uh, so the sound of jam burbling and spitting in a pot when it gets close to setting. Yes. And this is also, this is a sound that I really like. I mean, th- that means something to me because it says like your jam is getting close to the right texture. But it's also the sound of danger because oh, this sure. is the part of cooking jam where you are going to get sprayed or if you're not stirring regularly when you do stir you're gonna like stir up a whole like sea of of jam spittle oh yeah yeah but yeah the sound of jam burbling and beginning to spit as it starts to gel okay i had a similar one on here which is it's not exactly the same sound i think of the jam being a little more like spitty than either of these but Mm -hmm. uh my my jam is chocolate pudding like the the recipe i make has you like you know sort of wait for like three bubbles to break the surface and then and then you take it off because if you go further than that you'll overcook it and so there's like three bubbles like thwack 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 like telling me that my pudding is ready to strain and and refrigerate very satisfying sound and also when i make uh, mapo dofu i uh, you know mm. i thicken it with with uh, cornstarch slurry and it's a very saucy dish and so you get like that very satisfying like bubbles bubbles breaking through through a viscous medium sound yeah 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 hey keurig coffee drinkers did you know that the bold smooth taste of duncan cold coffee can be brewed in your keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home Duncan's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Duncan flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Duncan is where you want to be. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I started thinking about some like non-cooking sounds too. Like for instance, if you have a really good baguette, right? And let's say on the way home from the store, you tear off the end of it. Mm -hmm. That like, especially the first break into a baguette that you make, right? When the hull has not been breached. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Like when Um, when everyone on the Titanic is still having a good time. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That first like snap as you break off a hunk of baguette is such a good sound and such a distinctive sound because you can't make that sound with a fatter loaf of bread, like with a batard or something like that. Unless you're a giant. Unless you're a giant. Mm -hmm. This is true. I have a bread sound also, which is, uh, you know, you bake a loaf of rustic bread. It's really hot. It comes out of the oven. You put it on a cooling rack. And as it cools, it gives this like steamy crackling sound, which Mm -hmm. I learned is called singing. Oh, my God. Really? That sound rules. And it's like very quiet. Like, like, you know, you have to like kind of lean in to hear it. But it's it, it like says like you did it right. You made bread. It sounds a bit like like the sound of Rice Krispies. Yeah. It's that same sort of air releasing from a crispy pocket sound. Yeah, from a crispy matrix. Yes. Okay, my final cooking sound that I thought of, uh, at least when I was brainstorming for the show today, is the sound that butter makes when it's creaming in a stand mixer, in particular, with with like the paddle attachment. You're not going to get the same sound with a handheld mixer. Right. So, yeah, that thwack of butter when it's nice and soft and it's got some air worked into Mm -hmm. it. Oh, it is such a good sound. When When I imagine the sound, I kind of hear it saying spackledy, 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 spackledy. Yes. 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 Yeah. If you whipped up a bunch of spackle in the in the mixer, it would make the same sound. <laughs> it almost reminds me of like the rhythm of a of a train rolling down the yeah. tracks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like a an old school train with like the whole whatever you call it, the like axle arm thing that you yeah, would they, see in like a show or Yeah, it's it's called it's called an axle axle rose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyway, yeah, there is something like which like makes very, a sound uh, that sounds a little bit like knees. Oh, Matthew, that was a really good one. Thanks. He did that. Now I'm gonna cry. Oh, good. Oh, good. I've done my I've done my job for the week. When I was, I'm sure we've talked about this a million times. When when I was a kid, I used to watch uh, Friday night videos because we didn't have MTV. Like we, eventually we got MTV, but like uh, before we got cable. And I remember when they first showed the Welcome to the Jungle video, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. Like. <laughs> Like everything about it, just like these are like cool guys. They're singing about like, you know, like arriving in the big city and it's like the jungle. Like I've never, I never imagined anything could be this cool. And he says, Shana, na, 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 et cetera. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> and the part where he says, my, my, my serpentine, like, what? I mean, obviously, like, he's talking about his dick, but like, what does it have to do with anything else in the song? Nothing. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, God, I can hardly open my eyes. Oh. <laughs>
Okay, so this is good. Like you can you can just like like uh, like sit sit out the next three. I have three more. Okay. All right. So uh, uh, one of my all time favorites is ramen being shaken hard in a strainer after after the noodles are boiled. And this would be in a ramen like a ramen restaurant. Yeah, although like it it can happen at home also. I do this sometimes, like with with udon also, like uh, like put it in the in the strainer, and I, like I really want to get the water off it quick and get it into the broth or whatever, and so like I'll shake it really hard and like <laughs> at a uh, at a like like how Axel Rose did in that video, um, and uh, and like you know at a restaurant they'll shake it really hard and it's like this like thwack 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 thwack, and there is a series of comics that i really like <laughs> this is great the, hey hey listeners the rest of the show is going to be all me and like some some occasional wheezes in the background from, from molly who could not could not handle like such such an intense dose of gnr <laughs> okay uh, go on oh uh. and yeah she's on the night train <laughs> <laughs> really, there's a, a series of comics that I love that I've talked about before called Namen Daisuke Koizumi San, which means uh, Koizumi loves ramen, uh, and uh, Koizumi is uh, is this uh, high school student who is very eccentric and cares only about ramen. And there is a chapter in one of these books where it is revealed that like the her like um, like chill out mix that she listens to while studying is actually just like the captured sounds from a ramen restaurant, especially. Especially the sound of the noodles being strained, which seems very appealing to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. My next one is someone tasting food while they're cooking and making an understated, satisfied noise. So not like an mmm, but like a, you know, like taste it like mm. Mm, and like, you know, just continuing. Very satisfying. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I laughed. So, I mean, I, I, I laughed. I cried so hard. I, I thought I might puke for a second. There. Oh God, I'm glad you didn't. That's <laughs> not one of really, my favorite cooking sounds. A really emotional episode. No, this is good. We haven't, we haven't had a good, uh, good Ooh. cry by which I mean a good you cry in a while. Okay. Um, and All right, finally the dishwasher running, we had our, had our dishwasher, uh, like break and got replaced like a year ago, maybe previously we had a better dishwasher than we do now. And there are certainly things about the old dishwasher that I miss. And when they first put in the replacement dishwasher, I'm like, oh, this is way louder than the old dishwasher. This is going to suck. No, I love that dishwasher washing sound so much. It puts me right to sleep. Oh. There's nothing I love better than a dishwasher nap. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. That's great. My dishwasher, so, you know, I no longer have the quiet partner. Right. Which was pretty quiet. I now have some sort of Electrolux something that, I, I don't know, Brandon picked it out when we were still together. It's a little bit unnerving, the sounds that it makes, because it, it really, it sounds like there is like a box with water sl sloshing around in it in a way that makes me feel nervous. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what mine sounds like. And yeah, sure. Like, could it could it leak? Yes. But has it yet? No. No. Yeah. Okay. I mean, actually, yes, it has. And we had to like kind of reseat the little gasket around it. So so yeah, it's it's uh, it's a there's a it's a dangerous noise. It's a dangerous noise like the like the jam. OK, Matthew, do we have any spilled mail this week? We do. It comes to us from listener Abigail. 
who writes, Listening to the oat milk episode made me think of a question. My girlfriend loves savory oatmeal, which is the only food she likes that I truly hate. I usually avoid even looking in her bowl when she's eating it. Meanwhile, she is horrified of my admittedly far worse sometimes dessert snack of sweetened condensed milk, shredded coconut, and mini marshmallows mixed together in a shot glass. Do your family members love any dishes you truly can't stand and vice versa? Cheers, Abigail. I think that uh, dessert sounds good. I think it sounds really rough. I can't even look at sweetened condensed milk Mm. for very long. Like, I can't imagine putting it in my mouth. Yeah, everyone knows what my answer is going to be. It is egg salad. Nothing else even comes close. Okay, so my spouse really likes sour cream. They also really don't mind cold rice. Like Ooh, cold, interesting. Cold rice. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if they would say that they're cool with rice straight out of the fridge, but like absolutely room temperature rice, they are fine but with. But you like an onigiri like from a from a convenience store, right? Yeah, but that is a whole, it's a whole different a, thing. It's a yeah. whole different thing. I think of Ash as having like rice, not even necessarily hot, with salsa and with sour cream, like a bowl of that. And that sounds god awful to me. I mean, for one thing, I as those who've been listening long enough to remember the sour cream episode, which Matthew and I both like barely made it through. Yeah. I really can't handle sour cream in much of a quantity at all. And so the thought of, of willingly eating rice, just rice with salsa and sour cream. Yeah, is, that's that it would be really tough for me. Mm-mm. Oh, and I skipped the like, you know, what are the things that we eat that our partners can't stand? So for mm-hmm. me, for me, it would be shrimp. Mm. Wife of the show, Lori, okay. not not a shrimp fan, but I am. Ash has a, a deep fruit aversion. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. We know this. And I love fruit. They can't uh, they can't even get behind a, a TD, TDE tangerine, TG, TDE mandarin. Oh, no, they, they will not eat citrus like that. Ash will eat an apple, but uh, an apple and raisins. And that's really the only fruit they will eat. Um, And so you can imagine in the summer when I like cannot get enough of berries and cherries and stone fruits and things. uh, I mean, this is like not a very exciting example, but Ash is truly like revolted. No, I think I think that uh, totally counts. So there you have it. Well, speaking of which, Molly. Hey, what you snacking? You got to tell me what you're snacking. Or I'll release the Kraken. So what you snacking? What you snacking? Oh my gosh. Okay. So often when I'm teaching, I teach on Monday and Tuesday evenings. And you can imagine that like the mid, so I teach for two hours at a time. And in the middle, it's like right at a time when I like need a snack, like 5 or 6 p.m., depending on the evening. So I will go upstairs and take one of these like little, like perfect sized bowls that we have. And I will like pour some jalapeno chips in it Mm -hmm. or something and enjoy jalapeno chips uh, while muted in Zoom for the rest (laughs) of, of class. Last week, we did not have quite enough jalapeno chips to fill the bowl. And we also were low on Cheetos, crunchy Cheetos, which we've been keeping around lately. Yeah. So I did half crunchy Cheetos and half jalapeno kettle chips in my little bowl and then kind of uh, went back and forth, like alternated between them as I ate. Sure. And that was a fantastic chip combination. That sounds so great. Good. So good. I am also snacking on chips. I am snacking on chili cheese Fritos. 
uh, which some, you know, like if you ask me, like, what is the best chip? Like, I'm not going to have a consistent answer, but some days my answer would definitely be chili cheese Fritos. I remember when they introduced them when I was a kid and I've loved them ever since. Never changed. I've never had them. They're so good. Oh, man. Okay. I'm really curious to try them. Maybe I'll put them on the grocery list. Yeah, I think you should. I think you'll like them. Okay, cool. Can I just say how much I love being a grown-up? Like, my mom was over. My mom's been over a lot lately because she's helping us with our baby. And my mom makes, like, very reasonable but, like, annoying comments like... Whoa, Molly, you're eating Cheetos. Like like she's she's shocked that I at age 44 like keep Cheetos around the house like because this is something she would have never done and she like thought of them as just total garbage when yeah, I was a kid. Sure. I love being the kind of adult who has Cheetos on the grocery list. I feel that I've I've come really far in this lifetime. Yeah, I completely agree. Having said that, um, yesterday I had the experience where like I got this new video game that arrived in the mail and like I had this list of chores and like I felt like I really had to like get some chores done before I could play my new video game. And that felt like the downside of being a grown up because like yeah. as a kid, I would have been just like, you know, I've got important things to do here. It's an important video game. Chores can wait till never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cheetos and chores. Really. Cheetos, that's Cheetos what and chores. Is. Yep. That's yeah. true. Like, yeah. yeah, that's that's really like the balance, isn't it? Okay. Um, before we go on to now, but wow, you said you might have a beak of the week this week. Do you have a beak of the week? I do. I have a beak of the week this week. Hey, hey, it's the beak of the week. Hey, hey, if you've got a beak, you can be on beak of the week. Beak of the week. As you may have heard, we had a baby like a couple months ago. And the baby has a beak. And the baby has a beak. Uh, (laughs) No, we have noticed that in the weeks since he was born, that a varied thrush has begun visiting our deck. So we have this like really huge seed feeder that hangs from the side of our roof. uh, And you can watch birds come to the feeder from our living room. For a long time now, we've had kind of the same array of like small little birds, like house finches and dark-eyed juncos. Love those guys. Black-capped chickadees, red-breasted nuthatches. But a varied thrush is this beautiful bird that's about robin-sized. Mm-hmm. They are not, I, I don't think they count as truly being rare where we live, but it's rare to see them. They're generally solitary and they're they're kind of shy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say they're approximately robin-sized and they have this mating call that sounds like <laughs> I don't even need to say it. You know where I'm going with the joke. Call your girlfriend. Et cetera. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it sounds like. <laughs> oh my God. What, what you, the listener, can't see is that when Matthew, like in, in the split second before he began with that Axl Rose singing, he grabbed onto his headphones like Axl Rose would, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, grab onto his headphones to sing into the microphone. Does Axl Rose wear headphones? Oh, always. Yeah. Okay. Well, they help. They help. He, it's, you know, uh, he shut listens, out the he listens to podcasts all the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But anyway, a varied thrush. Go look it up. It is it's sort of some cool, sort of cool bird. dark brownish gray, but with quite a bit of like orange and almost like melon colored orange plumage. It is beautiful. <laughs> Would you describe it, it as melon colored and the infinite sadness? <laughs> it, it only ever shows up by itself. And I have to say that I am like really thrilled that it has started to visit us because prior to this, I think I had seen one varied thrush for one brief time 
on a hike in like a quite wooded area. And so I I feel honored that this guy comes to visit us yeah. at our our suburban deck. And that's the beak of the week. Yeah, I met I saw this varied thrush when I when I came to your house and I and I really felt honored to see it and have you tell me what kind of bird it was. And that's the end of the beak of the week segment. <laughs> Great. Um, it's over. Yes. And also I just Googled and so so many other people have used the phrase beak of the week for their bird related thing. Oh no, it's really? Fine. I don't think they're going to come after us. Producer Abby will find a beautiful photo of the varied thrush to link to or put in our show notes so that everybody can see uh, how beautiful this bird is. Yeah. Matthew, do you have a now but wow this week? I do. This is a now but wow that uh, you're going to have to wait until it comes to your town because it's not currently showing. And it is called uh, it's called Between Two Knees. But I think it will because it was great and is like played a bunch of different places. It is a play written by the 1491s who are a Native American sketch comedy group uh, who are best known for all of their members also write for the show Reservation Dogs. So uh, it is it is a similar type of comedy, but more so in that. It. Uh, I saw the play at Seattle Rep with uh, with Watzel, and it does something incredibly difficult, which is it is uproariously funny. Like there are tons and tons of punchlines while being a play about Native American genocide that like pulls no punches and makes the non-Native audience members very very uncomfortable. Like what the fourteen ninety ones are about is losing like genuinely hilarious comedy to make people think and make the world a better place, you know, and like turn the the comedy and the pathos and the history all up to 11 at the same time and just mm-hmm. do an incredible job of this. And there is a part near the end of the play where the uh, the players lead the audience in a catchy sing-along of a song called So Long White People that uh, <gasps> will like, you know, and encourage everyone to sing along and like, you know, makes all the non-Native people in the audience say like, am I really? Is it okay for me to sing along with this song? Like, you know, this is very weird and like, it's good theater and so it's called Between Two Knees. You know, if it is playing somewhere, I bet it will be released in like a, a video form at some point, but uh, if it uh, if it comes to your town, go see it. It's good stuff. God, how did you find it? Oh, uh, I have a like serious theater person in the family. Wife of the show, Lori, goes to several shows a month. This is fantastic. Oh my God, I would have never heard of this because I don't have a theater person in my family. Well, maybe you will. Thank you, Watzel. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And you can chat with other Spilled Milk listeners. Such as Axel Rose. Such as Axel Rose. <laughs> and maybe you guys are going to want to continue the Beak of the Week segment amongst yourselves on our Reddit, which is everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. Yeah, people used to post uh, cute animals, you need to know, back when we were doing that segment. Mm -hmm, But this mm -hmm. Beak of the Week segment, completely different. (laughs) So different. Yeah, not the same. (laughs) All right. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that's uh, sizzling in its own fat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Molly Weissenberg. And I'm Matthew Amsterberg. I'm Matthew. I wanted to go first. Okay, you go first. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. 
Because the home with Duncan is where you want to be. 